Welcome to the Off the Charts Football Podcast. I'm Matt Manicharian, former NFL scout and now of Sports Info Solutions, joined by Aaron Schatz, the godfather of football analytics and the founder of Football Outsiders. We've got our producer, Justin Stein, with us, and we are previewing the Super Bowl. Aaron, I saw you wrote a ton that just went up on Football Outsiders today. Um, Did you get deep enough into the preview, do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's more I could have put in. Uh, I didn't have anything about the red zone and how Kansas City was the worst defense in the league in the red zone this year. But I I didn't know where to quite fit that in since, you know, all indications are that red zone defense isn't actually predictive. So I'm like, well, do I mention that for just for the heck of it? Or anyway, there's like more stats that didn't even make it into the preview, but there's a lot in there. It's kind of interesting because you think some defenses like Kansas City specifically, you kind of think to be like the opposite of a bend, but don't break. They're like a create havoc, try to get a turnover or or a big play if we can. And then we'll also give some big stuff up too. Um, it's interesting when you combine that with being a bad red zone defense, how that kind of plays out. You think there are certain aspects of a defense that would make them better or worse in the red zone. And yet over time, it just doesn't. It just doesn't turn out to be the case. Before we get into the the game and uh, all of the the details, I got to ask from your prop extravaganza. What, what's your favorite prop that you're looking at for the Super Bowl? Uh, my favorite props are first of all Kansas City Chiefs first quarter minus point five because Tampa Bay's defense got progressively better over the course of games. They were like 26th in DVOA in the first quarter, 16th in the second quarter, 6th in the third quarter, and 1st in the fourth quarter. So even though everybody remembers the playoffs and Kansas City falling behind because of mistakes both this year and last year, during the regular season, they had a tendency to take big early leads. So I like them being ahead in the first quarter, And the other one that I picked for an ESPN Best Bets article that was fun because it's one of those cross-sports bets is Tom Brady passing touchdowns over goals in Leicester City versus Wolves. I have no idea how many goals to expect from Leicester versus Wolves. I figured out from football reference that it was 2.4, which is lower than the usual Tom Brady passing touchdown prop, which is 2.5. So I'm like... All right, so this has more of a chance of pushing, so I'll go with this one. You're squeezing the margins there. I like it. It's uh, it, to re- what you said in the first one. If the Chiefs do go ahead early, you would think from a game script standpoint that would really, really play into their hands. They're they're so built to play from lead. We obviously we've seen them play from behind so many times, and they obviously are capable because they have Patrick Mahomes. But if they could play with a lead, it might be a long day for for the Bucks. Well, except that it gets into the whole question of were the Chiefs trying this year, right? The Chiefs, when they had a two-score lead in the fourth quarter, were a legitimately bad team. And the question is, was that because they let up, and in the Super Bowl they won't let up? Or is that because there's something about their scheme that their defense allows a lot of points if they have a lead? I don't know. I think it's because they let up. I think it's because that they took it easy on opponents and that it won't matter if they have a big lead in the Super Bowl, that they won't suddenly give up that big lead. But yeah, because Tampa Bay is going to want to run on Kansas City. They're not going to want to fall so behind that they can't run some. Well, you could certainly understand being the Super Bowl champions, winning games kind of despite the defensive struggles down the stretch and games where they had big leads. You could understand how they got into some bad habits when they kept just winning games and winning games. And they are taking everybody's best shot every week. So I think there's something, I don't know if it's not trying so much as it's, 
okay, we don't really need this, the amount of desperation, maybe I would say rather than just like not trying. Um, let's look at these teams. How does it break down in terms of DVOA in this matchup? Well, again, this is where you get the complicated of what what do you believe about Kansas City? Because Tampa Bay has been the best team in the league if you include both the regular season and the playoffs. So if you include both both all the way through the playoffs, they're number one. And Kansas City would be fifth. Third, if you take out week 17. And that's with the the two playoff games being two of their best performances of the year. So that would suggest, the top line stats would suggest favoring Tampa Bay a little bit. And I'm going to bet the total points comes out the same way. Well, so it's interesting. I think when you look at DVOA, what's really clear is that there are three great units of the, the four offense defenses, the two teams. But the Chiefs defense is really the the lackluster unit of, of those four. Right. Even though they've played super well the last two weeks. Which count in weighted DVOA? They count in full DVOA also? I'm taking it through the playoffs when I talk about full DVOA and them being third. So it's counting in both, yeah. When we look at things from a total points perspective, basically we see that the Chiefs are stronger at almost every position on offense, except offensive line. And I was actually surprised when you look at the share of combined total points of, of players that are active going into this game, it's actually about equal between the, the Chiefs and the Buccaneers in terms of the total points on the season from an offensive line standpoint. So we don't see a big edge one way or the other in terms of the offensive lines, but uh, from a quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, we've got advantages for the Chiefs across the board. And then defensively, we've got advantages for the Bucks across the board, with the one exception being at the safety position, where uh, Teron Matthew obviously is... Uh, makes up for any any deficits on the other side. Yeah, and Thornhill's really good too. When you look at it across both teams, we've got the Bucks basically stronger on defense, the Chiefs basically stronger on offense. Probably looks a little bit closer than things look from a DVOA standpoint, but in both cases we got to remember the best offense, the best quarterback is is really going to be the most important thing. So it's not like when you put passing offense, uh, you know, and rush defense next to each other that they're equally important. Although the Tampa Bay offense has been very good over the last two months, right? So even if you're if you're like, well, what matters the most is offense, the Tampa Bay offense has been, by DVOA, it's actually been better since midseason than Kansas City's offense. Even if you take out week 17, slightly better, which again brings you to the whole, well, was Kansas City, did they take their foot off the gas late in games question? Like what? So how good is Kansas City really? How good should we think Kansas City is really? And then I wanted to also flip back to earlier in the season because we have seen these teams play before. As we mentioned last week, when we or two weeks ago, when we had two examples of that in the championship games, we don't really know how much the early season in the matchup matters, how much it tells us, how much the coaches are going to adjust versus sticking with their previous game plans. But we've obviously spent a ton of time looking at that game and trying to figure out what do you think that that uh, early in the season matchup can tell us? Well, I think it demonstrates the difficulty that Tampa Bay has covering both Kelsey and Hill. And I mean, everybody has that difficulty. But Carlton Davis basically covered the opponent's number one receiver in almost every game this season. And he did a good job of it. He was good. Yeah. Until Hill and then was and then just got completely burned alive. And then when they tried to play zone instead, it was eight, eight of eight to Travis Kelsey. Like Kelsey just killed their zone. So it's like, well, if you play man, no one can cover Hill. And if you play zone, Kelsey's going to destroy you. 
And it just shows how difficult it is to play against Kansas City. Yeah, you're so damned if you do, damned if you don't with them. I think that defensively what they did because of that, what they wanted to do was try to come out and play some more man, thinking that if they could match up Carlton Davis there, then they can free up to do what they like to do is, you know, be a blitzing team, especially sending White uh, from the linebacker position, being able to get him in the third down pass rush game. That's something that they love to do. But if you're going to do that, then all of a sudden you can't keep those two safeties high. It's a lot harder to play in your different in cover four and cover two shells back there, which is really the most successful thing that we've seen. Uh, you know, it's successful is one way to put it, but it's been the least unsuccessful way to go against Mahomes this year is, has been has been staying back with two safeties. Mahomes kills blitzes, and he did in this game. And so Tampa Bay only blitzed once in the second half. Like they were like, okay, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. And the one time they did blitz in the second half was a 20-yard touchdown. So it's tough. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe what that tells us is that they pick their poison and their poison is, you know, letting Kelsey get his as opposed to letting Tyreek Hill go for another 200 yards because that clearly won't work. This game was not as close as it looked because uh, Tampa Bay's defense hardened in the red zone, right? I mean, Kansas City kicked a field goal from the one early on and then they had another short field goal and then they had a strip sack of Mahomes in the red zone so like they could have had way more points they they were getting yards up and down the field and they could have had more points early on they could have been up by even more than they were early on right and even as it was I think the final score was closer than the actual game was like we said before sometimes you can learn things from those matchups I think maybe the only thing that we learn is the way that they tried to come out probably won't be the way that they try to come out to defend them uh, this time. We'll see you on Sunday. The Off the Charts Football Podcast is free. And if you like free stuff, you should check out SISDatahub.com, our free football advanced stats website. SISDatahub.com has a brand new game logs feature where you can see a selection of advanced stats for each player game by game. This includes our flagship metric, Total Points. Now you can see how well players have performed at earning points for their teams in individual games over the past five NFL seasons. The free SISDatahub.com is your source for the most accurate and objective football analytics in NFL history. The new game logs are just one of many planned improvements as we roll out new features. Check out SISDatahub.com today and tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS to let us know what you think. Let's get into both sides of the ball. So let's let's zoom in on that a little bit more. When the Chiefs have the ball, the key matchup, I think that if there's one thing that the Chiefs need to worry about, it's their offensive tackles. Uh, it's been it's been talked about ad nauseum. Their backups, they're not very good. We've talked about it for the better part of the season. How this has been an issue for them. If it becomes one of these games where the Chiefs tackles just have no answer for the Bucks defensive ends. Um, kind of like we saw the Packers have that issue in the NFC Championship game, then I think that plays into the Bucks' hands really well. You stay back there, you play your coverage, you don't even have to bring White as, as a blitzer, and you can kind of do a, a double-double even if you want to, where you can literally bracket. Bracketing both Hill and Kelsey. And they, I, I agree with you. I think they should be able to get pressure with four. The problem is Mahomes is one of the best quarterbacks in the league against pressure. I mean, he's not as good against pressure as he is without pressure. He has a high pressure rate, but he was the number two quarterback in the league in DVOA against pressure. So even if you pressure him, he's still going to get his yardage. 
He'll get his yardage, but I do think if you're going to have a chance to beat the Chiefs, the way it's going to be by getting pressure on him. I think there's a lot of talk that because the Bucks' run defense is so good that the Chiefs might maybe just not run in this game, and maybe it's advisable for them not to try to run, really. Uh, where Where do you stand on that? I would agree with that. I think that they are going to get more yardage by passing, including just short passes, and that they should use the short passing game as the running game. And I would not run very much. I mean, you've got to do it a little bit. You don't want to do zero runs. But, like, I mean, I feel that, you know, the play action has already been established uh, by the rest of the season. You don't need to run in this game to establish it. So uh, I think uh, I would stay away from the run. So the only thing that I look at with that is how do you get those defensive ends under control, right, with with Mike Remmers trying to protect him out there? It seems to me like if you can do one thing to try to offset their pass rush, you can try to run at those guys a little bit so that they can't just tee off and treat every down like it's third down. Yeah, screens. Yes, screens are definitely something that could help. Like you said, using the running backs in the passing game could be something interesting. And that's been kind of an interesting thing for both teams this year. The Chiefs have barely used their two main kind of receiving running backs on in passing situations. And most of the time it's Williams who's in there on third down and in, and in obvious passing downs because they trust him to pass protect the split of who's lined up in the backfield might be a big tell between if it's going to be a run or if it could be a pass. Like if you see on first and 10 that it's, it's Williams out there, then yeah, I think they're playing their game kind of in two minute mode and they're going to pass all over the place. Like you'd like to them to see if it's Edwards Alaire in there a lot of the time, I think that that should be a, a, a more of a run alert than a pass alert because they really haven't thrown the ball very much unless yeah, unless this is the game, right? Unless this is when they break out their first round pick in the passing game. If I were Kansas City, I would call weird runs. I would call draws, end arounds. We call Hardman, yep. Options, jet sweeps. Rather than straight ahead, let's run it in the Kong Sioux and Vita Vita. That's a good point. So we could see the the tight end screen game becoming really important. A lot of these kind of get the ball out of your hands quickly type plays as opposed to... And, and runs that are misdirection runs. You think that would definitely help give the the offensive line a chance rather than just, you know, lining up and trying to beat them with a, a back on a backer, your leads and, and off tackle runs and stuff of that sort. That'll be interesting to look at. Anything else? What else did you want to talk about on this side of the ball? When Kansas City has the ball up, Sean Murphy bunting for Tampa Bay has been a huge playmaker in the playoffs, but he was lousy in the regular season. And it's my guess that his regular season numbers are more telling than his playoff heroics and that he's somebody that they should target. That'll be interesting. I'm trying to think where we can expect to see him lined up. I don't know if he's... He's a slot guy primarily. I don't know if he ends up being part of their plan on on Kelsey that could be what goes on or if he's going to end up being you know if they're playing a lot of zone and he's lined up over the slot that could end up being that he's lined up over Tyree Kill a bunch of the time that's not how they did it in the first game in the first game they had Davis doing that but yeah right they had him moving around with him and there was no Jamel Dean in the first game and Jamel Dean has statistically been the best of the Tampa Bay corners and he's a little faster than Davis so I wonder whether you'll maybe see Jamel Dean trying to cover Hill with Davis on if Sammy Watkins plays Sammy Watkins. Well, you know, if the Patriots were playing in the Super Bowl, we'd be talking about how Belichick likes to uh, double-team the number one receiver and then put uh, his best corner on the two. And that that sort of reminds me of that strategy, which you just said right there. All right, I want to flip it around, and I'll talk about when the Bucks have the ball. What are you looking forward to in that matchup? 
Uh, Kansas City blitzing. Uh, Kansas City likes to blitz as much as Tampa does, and Brady struggled against the blitz this year. Team pass DVOA dropped from 42% to minus 4% with the blitz. And he did well against the five-man pressures in Week 12, but he really struggled against the six-man pressures in Week 12. And I think that it's interesting. Mahomes has a high pressure rate, but is very good under pressure. Brady has a very, very low pressure rate and is horrible under pressure, like 30th in DVOA this year when he was pressured. So it's a different – I think that Kansas City can get that pressure, and I think that they can pressure Brady into a couple of mistakes. Brady's going to want to get the ball out quick, just like you said. He wants to keep that pressure rate low because he can't play if he's holding on to the ball. Week 12, he had his quickest time to throw of any game this season. Right. And Spags knows that on the other end. So the cat and mouse there is really interesting. If you think back to to how Spags, you know, matched up against Brady 10 years ago or whatever it was in the Super Bowl, it was the front four being able to get home and all of these disguised coverages on the back end. Again, he's going to be moving those safeties around. We're not going to be able to tell pre-snap where the safeties are. He's going to do everything he can to give a, a cloudy read to Brady on that front. But they don't really have the the same pass rush. It, it hasn't been the, the D Ford show. No, the Frank Clark show. Yeah, Frank Clark hasn't been as good as expected this year. And Chris Jones is. Chris Jones is great from the interior. But no, they, they're going to need to blitz to bring the pressure. So I think it's just going to be fascinating. I think it's going to be about as as confusing, as cloudy as you can possibly get. Spags knows that Brady's seen everything, and I think he's going to show him everything in this game. And like you're saying, the blitzes are going to be coming from all different angles. I expect a lot of zone pressures. I think that's the thing that Spags can do where, you know, it's always going to be a little bit of a cloudy thing to call it man or zone when you're watching Spags play these match defenses and the way that, that they like to line up on the back end. But I do see a lot of opportunities to get the stunt game going to get the blitzes going and get some of those linemen to drop off in coverage into those places where Brady's looking for the quick hot read because he's going to look for those quick answers and it's going to be a matter of whether Spags has those taken away ahead of time and part of it is Kansas City just takes away the deep pass and I think that they'll try to take away the deep pass in this game third in DVOA against deep passes 22nd against shorter passes it's interesting. If, if you see Spags come with that cover zero, though, then maybe there's a chance that, that Brady can actually take those shots. Yeah, if they can protect against it, then they'll have the one-on-one down the field. There's no doubt about it. And the best corner for Kansas City this year has been Snead, but Snead is more of a slot corner. And so you've got Breland and Ward on the outside. Ward is, I think, the weaker of the two outside cornerbacks. Yeah, I don't know if there's a, a Kevin King candidate. No, there's nobody who's that much of a clear target, I don't think. But then again, I don't know. Could we see a, a Gronk resurgence? I wonder. I wonder what, what the matchup is there. I wonder. Well, what they don't want to do is the blitz that they ran twice in the first game, where they had two guys come from one side, and they had Alex Okafor drop into coverage on the other side and have to cover Gronk. Don't do that. You want to uh, avoid that matchup, especially if, it, if he's going to be manned up there. What about um, any hero candidates in your eyes? Who do you see, you know, when the Bucs have the ball, anybody that you see stepping up that could be having a big game here? I think that given that Snead is in the slot is the, the best of the, their corners, the, the, I guess I like prefer the idea of Mike Evans being a big star rather than Godwin. And on the other side, I think that if they – I think Kelsey's going to have a huge game. And I think if they put a lot of attention into covering Hill – 
that you could see a big game from Watkins or Demarcus Robinson or one of the secondary Kansas City receivers. It's certainly all anybody's talking about when it comes to the Chiefs having the ball is Tyreek Hill and the first half that he had in that game. So you've got to think all the attention defensively, at least the expectation would be that it's going to go his way. If that's the case, I agree with you. It's it's the Travis Kelsey show. Or if you try to double team both of them, then all of a sudden those other candidates like you talk about those other those other players, because they it's still speed on top of speed when you talk about even taking away those first two guys. All right. So at the end of the day, sounds like you're a little bit more leaning bucks with, with the DVOA on this one. I'm, I would say, no, I'm leaning chiefs. I'm leaning chiefs. I feel like the bucks are better than most people have given them credit for all season. Although the conventional wisdom has sort of come around to that now that they're in the Super Bowl. I remember when they were seven and five and we had them like third and I had to explain why they were so high in our ratings. And I think that that has been borne out by the season. It's funny because this year has done a really good job. Tampa Bay has done a really good job of showing the um, the pros of DVOA, and Kansas City has sort of shown a little bit of the cons. But I think I'm a believer in the Kansas City flip the switch theory. I think they just they have more talent. I think trying to cover both Hill and Kelsey is so difficult. I think trying to pressure Mahomes, he's still going to do amazing things even under pressure. And I like Kansas City to win in a close game. I'm with you. I, I would lean towards the Chiefs overall. I think they have a chance of winning in a not close game, whereas it's hard for me to picture the Bucks winning in a not close game. So a close game, I could see it going either way. I don't remember if we've ever seen a Mahomes team get blown out ever. I, I don't know if literally that's ever happened. That's actually a good point, at least in the pros. But anyway, it should be a good one. It'll be super fun to sit back and watch and get past all of the, the two weeks of analyzing it. Home field advantage, you making anything of that at this point? It's hard to know because it's hard to know what goes into home field advantage. I mean, I think it, it helps Tampa to not have to travel right before the game. But I think both teams are kind of helped by the fact that the usual like monkey cage craziness of the Super Bowl is not happening this year. The media circus is just not a part of the situation. So I think that kind of helps both teams, Kansas city getting to practice at home before they come to the game. So I, yeah, I'm not really making anything of the home field advantage. I don't think. Maybe we'll see a, a really high quality Super Bowl. The last few have been, I mean, God, I remember growing up, the Super Bowl was like a blowout almost every year. And then the last 10, whatever Super Bowls have just been fantastic games. Yeah, it's it's coincided with Brady's career. Once once Brady started playing in all the Super Bowls, they seem to have gotten a lot closer. The exception was Seattle Denver. That was the one that was a clear blowout. The the only Super Bowl that I've had the pleasure of going to, of course. We'll have to have a better one for you one of these days. All right. On that note, we will sign off. Thank you to all of the listeners. As always, you can find us on Twitter. He's at F O underscore A Shots. S-C-H-A-T-Z. I'm at Matt Mano, M-A-T-T-M-A-N-O. The Football Rookie Handbook is coming soon. We are putting the the final touches on it. You can hear how exhausted I am in my voice because I've been up all night working on it. We will have that to our publisher by the end of next week. And then the ebook will be available right around February 15th, we're expecting. And then uh, it'll be on bookshelves by the end of the month shortly thereafter. Aaron, besides the previews, the the prop bets, what can people find on footballoutsiders.com? I mean, the gigantic preview is there. And uh, film room on the Chiefs offense versus the Bucks defense in Week 12. And the scramble for the ball, all keep chopping wood team. 
a tradition like no other, the worst players in the league from this year. Keep chopping. Check out the free SIS Data Hub by visiting sisdatahub.com. You can also get a free trial of the Pro Data Hub through that website. For my co-host, Aaron Schatz, and our producer, Justin Stein, I'm Matt Manicharian, and thank you for joining us for the latest episode of the Off the Charts Football Podcast.